everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Hi. Today is January the 13th, 2021, our second show of the new year. Welcome back to 2021. Uh, since we last recorded, um, yeah, been interesting times here in the year 2021. Um, all sorts of stuff constantly happening. This is the Media Boat Podcast, though where we specifically talk about things that are happening in media, film, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. If you remember from last episode, uh, we started on kind of a downer note. Well, today we got the result of that a week, uh, a week later. More or less. Uh, we're halfway there, I guess you could Whoa. say. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, the president got impeached again by the House today. That will be the first time a president has been impeached by the House twice, or more than once, I guess you could say. Uh, So there's that. So history continues to happen. Uh, I saw a good tweet, I think yesterday, even before this happened, that was like, I just want to live through a day that won't be talked about in history for for years. Like, can we just have one day that's just a normal day? (laughs) (laughs) we'll see uh so far not the case uh but yes here on media boat podcast we make our own history about the media that we love and the media that we don't love so much and the news uh that makes our lives more interesting so let's talk about it why don't we we're going to jump right into movies skipping the box office wonder woman's still at the top of the heap because it's the only movie people would want to see yep three million dollars this week yeah, but uh, the real news here was coming from the other superhero people from Marvel. Our first story is a Marvel story, and it's about a familiar face, Deadpool, possibly making a comeback. Brian Reynolds' foul-mouthed mercenary is officially joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he'll be keeping his R rating. Surprise, surprise. Kevin Feige said sisters Lizzie Molyneux, Loughlin, and Wendy Molyneux are hard at work on the script for a Deadpool 3 with Reynolds overseeing, but it won't begin filming until 2022 at the earliest. Obviously, as we previously reported here, Marvel has its hands full right now, production-wise. They're in the midst of filming Thor 4, Spider-Man 3. Um, This year, we'll also begin filming Doctor Strange 2, Black Panther 2, and Captain Marvel 2. It's sequel town over there. That's five Wanda- in production right now. Yeah. And then on the TV side, WandaVision premieres on Disney Plus on this Friday. So we'll have our thoughts about that next week. Uh, and Feige is tinkering with upcoming Secret Invasion series for the network. And it's revealed shows like Loki and the Falcon uh, and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That is the name of that program. will have longer episodes than some of the other existing uh Disney plus Marvel shows that to me means we're looking at probably 22s for WandaVision and we're probably looking at 45s probably for the other ones if I had to guess I'd put it probably more around 28 to 36 because that's what I mean by that (laughs) I'm just saying they're going to follow the Mandalorian format where Mm -hmm. they're longer but not quite full 30s or if they are longer than that not quite full 60s yeah, the thing about streaming is you can kind of play around with that areas 
like in in between the the 20s and the 30 and 40 and the 60s so so yeah we'll probably see something about that but that makes sense uh the more dramatic series are going to need the extra runtime because they're going to be closer to like a prestige show whereas right. the more serialized the will shows, have that more yeah whereas the more serialized shows are going to be able to be like yeah we can do, do these in the 30s so yeah it's cool that they're think... tinkering around yeah, I feel like Marvel has watched the streaming numbers from both Netflix and Disney side yeah. and is trying to find that sweet spot of runtime where it's not too long for people to lose interest, but also not too short to where you're instantly wanting more and more and more. Right, right. Um, yeah, they'll find a sweet spot, I'm sure, once these shows premiere. And like I said, yeah, so uh, WandaVision, I'm sure both of us will check that out on Friday. Two episode premiere yes. on friday and then it'll uh, be a weekly rollout so yeah after that we'll have more to talk about next week once we've seen a couple episodes of that thing so stay tuned meanwhile elsewhere in tv news the sag awards have a little bit of a follow-up report so in music news a couple of weeks ago we talked about how the grammys had rescheduled their telecast and sag awards were not so happy because it landed exactly on their date that they were which, going to broadcast. Which we brought up. Yes. So the 27th Annual Screen Actors Guild Awards have been rescheduled because of this to April 4th, a week after the Grammy Awards moved to its previous date of March 14th. The awards ceremony will be broadcast on TNT and TBS at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and will honor the outstanding film and TV performances of 2020. Quote, we are extremely disappointed to hear of the conflicting date, March 14th, announced for the year's Grammy Awards telecast. We announced the same date for the SAG Awards last July with the attempt to give the greatest possible scheduling consideration for other award shows. We expect the same consideration from sister organizations throughout the industry. Ooh, burn. <laughs> uh, nominations uh, will be announced for the SAG Awards on February 4th. Yeah, that's a bit of a cat call there. It's just like, hey, <laughs> we gave you plenty of time. You can't do this to us, especially since yeah. the Grammys announced it back in where for theirs to be in February with plenty of time. Yeah. You can't blame them. You really can't blame them for being mad. The Grammys uh, should have done their research um, because, yeah, that's like when, when ratings are hard enough to come by, uh, it's a hard thing to steal and cut your entire audience away. Which is well, it's probably like planning what, a wedding. Happen. It's like planning a wedding. You don't plan it on the day the Super Bowl is going to happen, or at least yeah. you shouldn't. Or it's like it's like those couples that is like, oh, he proposed on Valentine's Day. Don't propose on Valentine's Day. Then it becomes a double holiday. Don't do that. My dad proposed on Valentine's Day. Ooh, yikes! And my <laughs> sister may or may not be getting married on Valentine's Day next year. Oh, see, you don't do that because you're eliminating your your gift opportunities when you do that you want separate gifts do it on a different day yes do what i do and sandwich your wedding day in between your birthday and christmas yes so it's so like you get, you get three month. months of presents in a row <laughs> hell yeah the way to do it um did you watch any movies this week probably not i'm gonna guess not movie length anyways <laughs> then it's not a movie I mean, now, I is it? stuff but we'll get there in TV. television We'll get there. We have quite a lot of television thoughts. So let's go cruise right into television. We always start the television section with the sports corner. 
All right. And boy, did sports happen. Sports, well, sports happened. Yeah, all sorts of sports are happening right now. The the NFL wild card weekend happened. From what I understand, there were some big surprises for fans of certain teams. Uh, Notably, a a very surprising game between the Browns and the Steelers. Yeah, the Browns beat the Steelers for the second week in a row, which means the Browns are moving on in the playoffs. Yeah. Furthest they've gotten since 1995? Yeah, it's been a very, very long time. No, sorry. No. Uh, That is the Bills Mm. that uh, are the furthest uh, that they've gotten since 1995, who also won and beat the Colts, which is why I'm wearing this in memoriam. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you didn't get your Super Bowl that you wanted, unfortunately. No. No. Um, But but maybe there's hope for the Rams beat the Seahawks. So there you go. So one that was step a closer. Plus. One step closer for Los Angeles. But yeah, uh, Cleveland, I'm sure, is very proud of the Browns right now as they continue um, setting a new precedent, which is exciting. Um, any other wild card bits that you want to uh, point out from the weekend? Um, so Steelers lost, and at the end of it, Ben Roethlisberger sat on the bench as everyone cleared the field, kind of yeah. indicating that it may be his last time on a field. We could be considering some retirement. There is some finality, I feel, to this event because we were already hearing talk last season about Roethlisberger maybe being done. Um, so this is probably the time, right? Like this feels right for him to call it. Yep. Um, in addition to that, uh, Philip Rivers also possibly his last game as he played right. for the Colts. Right. Uh, but that also leaves the other two oldest quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, Tom Brady and uh, not Payton, Drew Payton, uh, <laughs> Drew Brees. Yes, Drew Brees. We'll be facing each other in Old Man Bowl this upcoming weekend. <laughs> Old Man Bowl. Sponsored Speaking by of, AARP. Yeah, I wish, right? <laughs> Speaking of old men, you have here that Baker Mayfield is the oldest of the four quarterbacks remaining in the AFC right now. Yes, and you know how young Baker Mayfield yeah. is. Yeah, so it's a real young crew is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, a lot of uh, second years. Patrick Mahomes, um, Josh Stallion, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, and who are they playing? <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> but that's, that's good news. Oh, Lamar right Jackson won. That's right. Lamar Jackson like... is younger than Baker Mayfield. Ah. Even we'll though he came out uh, later in like the draft class after him. And honestly, I think this is all good news. I think it's good news because that means that the young blood are getting better and better. And you're seeing these teams with young talent show up, whereas the teams with the older talent are slowly getting worse. And that's good because I feel like we were in a stagnant place fairly recently with football where it seemed like the same dudes were just winning all the time. Your Tom Brady's of the world, which we did note. And then last year, yeah. Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl with the chiefs mm-hmm. and uh, basically kind of was the turning point for all these young players to be like, it's our turn. Now I say yeah. young players because there's young players every year, but for like the past five years, like that group is now becoming the studs for yeah. this upcoming decade. These are the new stars. These are the new names. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad we're finally having a turnover there. It took a while. 
Um, and hopefully some of these bad teams who have been historically bad, like the Browns and the Bills, mm-hmm. will get their day in the suddenly upcoming uh, decade. Yeah, I hope so. Speaking of the aforementioned Los Angeles Rams, they're the only remaining NFC team that doesn't have a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. So, of course, that means they're due. Yes, you'd think that. But you, would they, like, uh, you would like that, wouldn't you? I, I would definitely like that, yes. Um, <laughs> pointing... For those of you on YouTube, to my right. Rams the logo, logo floating <laughs> over your head constantly every week. Yeah, but uh, as I mentioned, Super Bowl winning quarterback Tom Brady will take on Super Bowl winning quarterback Drew Drew Brees. Yeah. Meanwhile, Super Bowl winning quarterback Aaron Rodgers will take mm-hmm. on unknown starting quarterback for the Rams. Interesting. The Rams have not announced who their starting quarterback will be kind of playing mind games but also <laughs> both our quarterbacks are injured they're bringing back they're bringing back <laughs> mark know. sanchez from the from espn they're pulling him in it's happening technically blake bortles is the third quarterback <laughs> oh man what if it's blake bortles that'd be so great oh the memes <laughs> <laughs> at least for us yes at least just just us um moving from the nfl to college Yes, the Nick, D-League. Nick Saban, Saban, which one? Saban. Saban uh, has won his seventh na- national title with Alabama as they went 52-24. Boo. Yeah, not, not I think how a lot of people wanted that game to go, but here we are. The tide rolled. Yes, tide rolled, rolled tide. Um, yeah. Congrats on your seventh win. Go to the NFL already. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the math there is kind of strange when you think about it it's like wait a minute seven years isn't a college four years yes which means he's won it with different teams right at least half the time it just seems like he should be out of college he should graduate haha <laughs> yes so it should should work but here we are yes um <laughs> this is similar to how pete carroll was in the early 2000s where the only reason he left was because there was heat on the NCAA about recruiting violations, uh, which he escaped to Seattle for. Got it. Yes. Which means that will probably be the literal only thing yeah. to prevent Nick Saban from leaving <laughs> college. Because the past we'll, we'll five see. or six years, he's had at least four players go in the first round every year. So why go to the NFL when you yeah. only get one first-round pick when you can have four or five first-round yeah. picks on your team every single year? And why start a legacy all over again when you already have an established name and established thing you're good at? The problem with going to the NFL is you basically start from zero. You're not guaranteed a great team. Right. Plus, he's also getting money from the government mm-hmm. being a public school from yeah, boosters, from uh, other ancillary sponsorship deals. Right. So, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if maybe some of the stuff that's been boiling about um, giving more rights to the players, I wonder if that maybe pushes them out. Possibly, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, we'll see. All right, speaking of crossing bridges, let's continue on. The Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith, that we talked about last week, won an MVP award as well. 
So you yep. have some numbers here. You want to translate this for me? Because the only one of these I understand is three touchdowns. Yes, that is 12 receptions for 215 okay. yards Got it. and three touchdowns. Yeah, you, you could have put that in there. No, it's too long. Me this is how the stats are read. Well, do, you, also, do you think that I'm someone who looks at football stats a lot? Possibly. You like numbers? <laughs> also, um, this is only uh, half of his stats. Okay. Because he only played half of the game. Wow. So that was from half of the game. That was from the first half of the game. And then well, he did not play the second half. Yeah, I would give him an MVP award too with that kind of performance. <laughs> oh, he's just so good. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, he's so fast. Oh, it, it's painful how fast he was on the field. <laughs> Compared to like other players who he will be playing against next year in yeah. the NFL. He's fast. He's just so dang fast. He can keep it up. We'll see. Yeah, just if he stays healthy, you're looking at what? Another yeah. Michael Irvin here? Terrell Owens? Randy Moss even? Yeah, yeah, He's maybe. that good. We'll see. We'll see how he does. See where he Ooh. lands in the draft. Gosh. That too. That's more important. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, draft is in April. Yeah. We'll get there when we get there. We will indeed. Next up, let's move out of football into different sports here. Hockey. The NHL starts officially its season today. I understand that there is a triple triple header, or not a triple header, but there are three games that are happening on television tonight. Yes, three games tonight. None of my teams are playing, so <laughs> I don't care. Sure. Which means my season starts played. tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Kings and Ducks start tomorrow, but actual official hockey starts today, and because of that, as we mentioned on this podcast before, we now have an all-Canada league for the first time right. ever because of the North. And then what I understand in basketball was some relatively breaking news, some things yes, that happened. Yes, today. Happened. Uh, today um, is a big trade. James Harden moves to the Nets. Yep. James Harden and his beard. <laughs> get traded out of Houston to the Brooklyn Nets yeah. uh, in a multi-team blockbuster trade in which the Houston receives six, five, I think, five future first-round picks. And then some other players get shuffled in there as well with the Pacers and the Cavaliers. I see. How Cavalier of them. Yeah, but James Harden's now finally out of Houston where he can be free and play with Kyrie Irving as soon as he's back from his family engagement and wants to communicate with the team again. <laughs> that was also a big news that happened this past weekend where he ghosted the team. Oh. Not show up, basically went off the grid and only, and someone found him via a family member's, uh, I think it was TikTok because they were having a birthday party and someone posted it on TikTok. So I was like, hey, that looks like Kyrie Irving. Well, there you that would make sense because his family. <laughs> He's probably here. Wow, that's ridiculous. So yeah, uh, if you care about James Harden, uh, he has a new team to play on next time. And lastly, in baseball news, a 
30-year tenured employee, I don't know if he was actually tenured, but a 30-year employee for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim was unceremoniously and unexpectedly fired from his job following a potential scandal involving pitchers and a special blend of pine tar to help pitchers put more spin on the ball. Weird. This will be a more developing news, but we could have a possible another scandal, baseball scandal on our hands. Yeah. Although, <laughs> one quick thing saying from somebody who watched a lot of Angels games last season, it's not working. <laughs> oh, but here's the thing. It's not for Angels players. It's oh, for other teams. Okay. So wait, so you're saying there's an inside man for other teams? He was the general manager of the visiting team's dugout. Oh. And so he, in the early 90s, 2000s, think Troy Percival, uh, pitcher for the Angels, created a special blend of pine tar and then... Troy Percival ended up winning the Angels a World Series because of it. Uh-huh. And other pitchers, including Justin Verlander, um, mm. have since used said substance. Got it. So this and goes there are back text messages a decade and a from half. It. Got it. Um, because he was unceremoniously fired, like out of the blue, no mm-hmm. write ups, no warnings, no nothing, for 30 years. <laughs> He's got some dirt on some players now. Yeah. I'm and sure. looking to term it. Wow, this could this is interesting because it could potentially be like, oh yeah, all of the great pitchers from the last 15 years could it's have the been link I sent in you this. in text. Yeah. I don't know if you right. actually read it, but I did not have time, but I now I, figured, I should I should definitely now you probably check it should. Out. Yeah. That's nuts. It's wild. Uh, but it was a single article in ESPN. Apparently, he talked about this on Real Sports earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, not earlier this year, but like earlier, like years ago. Okay. But was never followed up on. Yeah, nobody looked into it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, while we're on the subject of some um, saucier, spicier news about sports, I just want to really touch on this because we have not been talking about it at all, but it seems like there are concerns about uh, the ongoing uh, basketball season right now, about um, safety, about COVID. It looks like that weren't there last time. And there seems to be some, um, some fans and people in and out of the, uh, the, the league that are trying to get, the, the, uh, get a like a brief pause on games until we figure it out. Is, is that, is that all true? That is true. Um, There are two games today that were canceled. Um, Mm -hmm. So like a surprise cancellations for two different games from two different, uh, two different parts of the country. It's not like they're both in New York or anything, Mm -hmm. Um, but players have spoken out that they are questioning league protocols um, outside the court, when inside the court, they're bumping and breathing on each other for 48 straight minutes. Yeah. And then during interviews immediately after are putting on masks and talking with other people. And some people, stadiums, I think, have fans. I'm not sure about that. 
Mm-hmm. I may be wrong about that. I know football does it because they're open door arenas. Yeah. So is so you think that that's the source of this? Is that things are actually starting to spread because they moved back to the classic model, or at least a a version of the classic model instead of keeping the bubble like they did last season? Possibly, because remember last week when I said that a game had to be canceled because they didn't have enough players? Yeah. That's more of that. Yeah, it's just, it's it's unfortunate to read this stuff because they had it so right. Right, but it was also a bubble for... Yeah, and then they rolled back all those things and now there's problems. It's like, well, what'd you guys think was going to happen? Remember when I said they should just do a city bubble? Yeah. Like the like hockey did, and they didn't. In the beginning of the year, just have one in Florida because that was already set up, and do one yeah. in L.A. They could have, and yet here we are. And yet here we are, or even Phoenix, uh, if you wanted to, um, you know, have fans because Arizona. <laughs> even Texas did it with baseball. We could have done it there too. Yeah, but. Oh, well, too late now. Oh, well. Y'all messed up. They're already flying across the country facing each other, so yeah. hey. I mean, yeah, that's the thing with basketball, though. You're right. It's like if they're already being up in each other's grills during the game, there's no reason for them to then immediately distance. There's there's a dis, there's a weird disconnect there. It's like, no, they just were right next to each other, breathing heavily. It's more susceptible on the court than it is in the interviews. Like, mm-hmm. I saw something about like, oh, uh, certain teams are not going to be allowed to shake hands or hug after the game. I'm like, they were just playing basketball. Right, they were just slapping <laughs> each other and stealing and, yeah. And that's but they not can't the like problem. high five at the end yeah. of the game. That's not the problem. The problem was when everybody decided, when the league decided all of a sudden, oh, now it's okay to go to cities again. It's like, no, you guys, that's the problem. <laughs> Remember when we were talking about how great the NBA was? Yeah, well, let's rewind the tape <laughs> because they <laughs> undone all the goodwill that they did. Well, not all of it. Um, but yeah. Anyways, I just want to bring that up because we hadn't been talking about it, even though it's been kind of an underlying story since basketball started. It's a constant story that appears on a by-team basis. Right. But still constant nonetheless. We, yeah, we need to bring it up. But now, we, now we're good. We don't have to bring it up again. We should uh, bring up the dead in our next story. Yeah, let's move right into. Don't worry, we're not to death yet. We don't get ahead of ourselves, but instead, no. we're talking about a dead media platform as something that you guys might have under your television. A Roku um, has bought the global distribution rights to the portfolio of Quibi. Yeah, remember Quibi. Yeah. RIP Quibi. The, the, the billion dollar six month company. <laughs> yeah, that thing. The acquisition covers most of the Quibi library, but some daily news shows that were on the service are not part of the package. A key draw for, the, for Roku's acquisition was the talent involved a roster including Idris Elba, Kevin Hart, Liam Hemsworth, Anna Kendrick, Nicole Ritchie, Chrissy Teigen, and Lena Waithe. The lineup includes titles like Most Dangerous Game, Dummy, and Murder House Flip. The valuation of Quibi's properties was understood to be less than $100 million, according to insiders, which is chump change compared to the $1.7 billion it took to actually get that thing off the ground. So what was the other 90% uh, equity that they had? 
I would imagine a lot of that is probably marketing. I would imagine a lot of that is um, the actual productions, whereas this seems like this is the IP and the people involved. And distribution rights, yeah. And distribution rights. The unusual rights flexibility offered by Quibi will stay in place as it was before, uh, with rights reverting after seven years. Roku VP of programming Rob Holmes said, we preserved all of what was in the existing agreements. We're excited about that. It's great, high quality top talent and high quality content. Well, I want to put an asterisk on that last one. Roku it acquired Quibi holding it won an Holmes. Emmy though. So yeah. it is high quality. And Emmy. It was one or two, one. but for the same show. So one show, one, one Emmy. Yeah. The company, uh, so yeah, Roku acquired specifically Quibi Holdings LLC, which is the company that holds all of Quibi's content distribution rights. Quibi's infrastructure and technology, such as its turnstile interface, are not part of the deal. So I'm guessing that if they do uh, do this, it's not like suddenly there's a Roku app on your phone that plays this content. No, it is just that if they want to make a new Roku show for the Roku channel, which by the way, checked out the Roku channel. It's like a fake ass cable experience. Hmm. I have it on my television and it's basically, they send you to like a television style guide where there's all these channels. Some of them exist in other forms and other like services such as like over the antenna or digital cable services. Uh, but some are exclusive to Roku's televisions uh, or streaming boxes. There's a Lego channel that shows, just shows original Lego content all day, for instance. There's a channel that just shows um, the Bob Ross painting show over and over and over again all day. That's so the kind Twitch. of stuff. Yeah, basically. Uh, so it's like that kind of thing is what the Roku channel already has. So I imagine a lot of this stuff shows up there. They already have a place to put it. So interesting nonetheless, uh, and good news for all the people who had Quibi uh, stuff that uh, ended unceremoniously and um, were good people. I know over at um, video game website Polygon, they had a Quibi show uh, called Speedrun there that was actually doing some really interesting stuff, but nobody saw it because it was on Quibi. So I'm hoping that maybe that comes over as well and some of those good people over there uh, get to continue their show. Right, but also this content's only five to ten minutes in length per episode. But that's the thing, is if Roku decides to start up production on a new version of the same idea with the same people, they can extend that to a 30-minute concept or whatever they deem necessary. Okay. So I think that's there may the, or may not be something yeah. of value there. That's but what for a hundred million dollars and you're trying yeah. to get into a streaming game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You I have think some that's the argument there. they're making is that they not they did not buy the fifty minute chunk episodes. That's not the reason why they bought it. They bought it because we can have a show with Idris Elba in it. Is mm -hmm. why they bought it. They can do whatever they want with it. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> not with Idris Elba. You can't do anything <laughs> that you want with Idris Elba. I'm not talking to any fantasies people might have out there. Just, just saying. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Okay, moving away from Idris Elba, <laughs> slowly backing away from former sexiest man alive. <laughs> Our next story is not about sexy people. Well, it depends on who you are. Um, but we now know some of the new guest hosts that will be hosting Jeopardy in the coming weeks. As we mentioned before, Jeopardy is currently in its post-Alex Trebek phase where it's invited a bunch of guest hosts to host the show. 
as of this recording, Ken Jennings is doing some uh, hosting on the current episodes of the show. And we knew before that there were some that had yet to be revealed uh, hosting the show. And we now have a couple more names, or a few more names here. Apologize for the car alarm going off. I happen to be next to a parking lot. Um, first up. <laughs> Not the freeway, an actual parking lot. Yeah, an actual parking lot. Uh, first up, Katie Couric is going to be a guest jo- a guest uh, guest host at some point. You say guest yeah. judge. Guest judge. Ever. Jeopardy. The show is named Jeopardy, so I said J, and then yeah, <laughs> kind of happened. Uh, the aforementioned quarterback Aaron Rodgers will be a guest to host as well. 60 Minutes correspondent Bill Whitaker and neuroscientist slash actress Maya Bialik are all slated to take a turn at the iconic game show's lectern. As part of that, of each guest host appearance, a donation totaling the cumulative winnings of the contestants that compete during each guest host's respective week will be made to a charity of their choice. That's cool. Executive producer of Jeopardy, Mike Richards, will also host for two weeks once Ken Jennings's current run of episodes concludes to keep the show on the air while the guest hosts prepare for their appearances. Additional guest hosts will be announced later in the season. So interesting um, options for uh, Jeopardy. I think these are all good good picks. It's going to make for some fun uh, Jeopardy experiences because it's like, oh, who are we getting this week? Oh, we're over with uh, Ken Jennings. Who yeah. is it this week? Oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Let's see how you do. Ooh, Mayan Balik. Let's see how you do. Yeah, interesting uh, little uh, variation there. You I got like the odd one out here. Athletes. The odd one out here for me is Aaron Rodgers. But yes, but he it. also won uh, the sports celebrity tournament when they did oh, it a couple years back. Okay, so maybe there's. So he's a pretty time. smart guy. I guess we'll see. All right. Speaking of Jeopardy, I think that's a perfect launch pad to start talking about our TV thoughts. You watched a lot of TV, or I should say, yeah. you have watched a lot of TV. So week. let's start with Jeopardy then, since we're talking about Jeopardy. And as we noted last week, we were in the middle of the final episodes for Alex Trebek, which mm-hmm. led into Ken Jennings for this week for Jeopardy. Yeah. Did you watch those episodes? I have not. I haven't had time to do anything. Oh, come <laughs> on. What kind of fan are you? Uh-huh. Behind. A behind fan. All right, bandwagoner. Uh, anyways, <laughs> they were pretty good episodes. A nice tribute to Alex Trebek. Um, he will be missed. I think we've talked about him a lot on this yeah. on this podcast. And yeah, just I'm looking back at it now. I'm glad that they moved it. I think I said that uh, going into the Christmas break, but yeah. I'm glad they moved it because this week was nothing but jeopardy like we had sports was in a lull um between both playoff games basketball or the bowl games were done basketball was just getting started so it was a nice break from the holidays and like okay now it's alex trebek time one last time yeah did tear up manly man tears were shed not gonna hide that fact (laughs) but yeah um, it was a nice way to say goodbye one last time uh, to Alex Trebek. And then they bring in Ken Jennings. Who, Ken Jennings? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh, you mean oh, you mean the guy who hosts the podcast with Bean Dad? No, I mean the guy who's also uh, a player in The Chase. Oh, we'll get yeah, to in a minute yeah. Here. That Ken Jennings, right? Yeah, the the comedian on Twitter. Who, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the Twitter guy. Yeah, yeah, who recently had to apologize on Twitter for some of his tweets, <laughs> right up before he was going to be the host of Jeopardy yeah. on TV. Man, yeah, what a what what a list, a laundry list of things for Ken Jennings to deal with all at once. Um, but anyways, he was the guest host on Jeopardy. Tell me how he did. Uh, came out is doing a pretty standard. Thank you to Alex, not trying to take over for him, yeah. but rather keep his legacy going by keeping yeah. Jeopardy going. Right. Pretty standard stuff. Pretty boilerplate. Liked it. It was pretty well delivered. Okay. And then we get into actually um, playing the game. <laughs> and one thing you don't really notice with Alex because he commands such a podium is that he talks a lot in that in Jeopardy. Yes. Yes. That is a very wordy, mouthful coasting gig. It's almost Not kind like of you're okay, see. standing there, pick a card, pick a number, yeah, trying to interact with the judges. No, you're reading pre planned cue cards or quiz cards. Yeah on a rapid fire base because you need to get those questions out and finished before the contestant can answer. It's kind of amazing that you don't see him just with a glass of water constantly next to him, just going. Probably. (laughs) But again, when do you have time? I mean, I know editing, yes, but because it is a game show, you're set on a time limit Mm -hmm. per, per round. Yeah. You can see this like when I'll talk about the chase next, because um, they're very different, mm-hmm. but also very similar. So, anyways, Ken Jennings talking <laughs> and basically doing the lecture, uh, being at the lectern for Jeopardy, doesn't have quite the commanding voice sure. that Alex Trebek does when delivering the clues. That being said, not bad. I give okay. approval. He's doing his own thing. He has a certain boyish charm. You know, <laughs> lack of facial hair will do that. <laughs> and kind of a higher register than Alex Trebek. Yeah. But it's growing. Okay. I think he's doing a good job. Good. I, I like him. I think he'll, do, he'll be just fine. Um, sans criticism from everyone saying, oh, you're not Alex Trebek. Yeah. But again, no one will ever be. No. Um, yeah, so we'll be interested. It'll be interesting to see how the other guests uh, compare. Yep. But you didn't watch Jeopardy, so you can't talk about it. No, not yet. No. Uh, but uh, real briefly, speaking of the chase and um, Ken Jennings being on there, he's, uh, as we previously discussed here when they were bringing the chase back from the dead because it was previously a BBC show. Yeah. They tried it once here. Didn't quite work, but they're trying it again with actual like well-known quiz masters. Right. Uh, Cause I remember the last time they brought it back was just some, they got the dude from the BBC one and nobody cared because it was yeah. like, well, who's this dude? Right. And they figured yeah. it was just, Oh, another British reality person who's right. big over there, but we have no connection to, but now that yeah. you have Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter and, uh, 
James Holzauer, you know, there's, yeah. there's some names behind it that makes you want to tune in and see how they do. Mm-hmm. But the setup is exactly the same. You have to get through your one-on-one round with the quiz master. Mm-hmm. And then you, if you win that, you go into the uh, final bonus round to try and win the money. Right. You can answer the question before it's finished answer, which Ken does on several times, <laughs> which you can't do on Jeopardy. I hate that. I personally, that drives me nuts because I'm like, no, let, let us hear the whole question so we at home can try too. And so I don't like it when that's a rule. Well, that's why the rule on Jeopardy is you have to finish the question yeah. before you bring in. Yeah, and real people know that you have to do that at home too. You can't jump the gun or else it's cheating. Oh, no. I, uh, at home, I jump the gun and just blurt it out. Also, yeah, you, I don't at home, you can see the, you don't have to phrase it in a question. You just. Oh, no, I disagree with that too. No, you know how I play. You've seen I know it. how you play. I play the real rules. <laughs> anyway. You play where you have to slap something and, and <laughs> buzz in. Well, no, I'm not that bad, but no, yeah, I'll, I'll, I actually do it like, no, I have to do it in the question. I have to wait until the question's right, or the answer is right. So, respectful. I don't know, but yeah, I, I like blind guessing, at least on Final Jeopardy. <laughs> well, yeah, Final's different, because it's like, you can just kind of do it whenever. Um, anyway, sorry. Anyways, yeah, the chase oh. is a, a <laughs> good counterpart to Jeopardy. Okay. But a lot of the questions are a lot more rapid fire and a lot more hodgepodge. Yeah. There's no set categories like Jeopardy. Right. But that kind of adds to the vari- spice of variety. Right. So, yeah, uh, keep checking this out. See how they rotate uh, the quiz masters in and out between the three of them. Yeah. As contestants rotate in and out. Love to rotate. Oh, yeah. All right, where do we want to go next? Let's stick with the game shows. All right, let's go with the game shows and let's talk about The Hustler, also on ABC. Okay. Uh, this is hosted by former late night host Craig Ferguson. All right. And I don't like it. <laughs> Not because he's the host or anything. I think okay. he's kind of funny and charming. And you just don't quirky. like the, the- the, the concept. I don't like the concept of the show. Yeah. So there's five people in a room. One of them is the hustler. He's an imposter. He or she is an imposter. Oh, so it's like Among Us. Not quite. Because <laughs> as they... So each question is something based upon that person. Mm-hmm. So it's like this person was... Went has a, the, ta- the Olympics rings tattooed on their body. And then the question is regarding something like that, which is what do the Olympic rings stand for? And then it's a list of questions and the five people among them have to decide what the answer is in you know, a minute and then give the answer. They get it right, money goes in the pot. They get it wrong, nothing happens. They just don't get the money. So they do that a couple times, and then they vote on who they think is the is uh, the hustler. Only thing is, their votes don't matter. Okay. Because the hustler chooses who they want out of the game. Okay. So every name is written down, or it's chosen. 
sealed an envelope, whisked away, <laughs> and then it's revealed who the hustler wants out of the game. <laughs> it's whittled down to three people. So the, you know, so it's rinse repeat for two times, three times actually, two times until there's three people left. So, One hustler and two contestants. So why did they do the vote? I don't know. <laughs> What's the point of the vote? Like, I assumed it would be something like, oh, if everybody guesses it correctly or something, then the hustler is revealed early and then they win the pot or something. You'd think that, but no. <laughs> it's just, oh, the hustler wants this person out. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason for the vote. It's just a wishy-washy scapegoat thing. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Just don't have See why vote. I don't like it? Yeah, don't have the vote then. Just skip it. Yeah, but then how's the? They're going to indicate who's the hustler. Are they going to indicate who's uh? Oh, do a reveal at the end of the rounds, right? Like after all the rounds are done, right? Like do a reveal. Like that's all you have to do. What do you mean a reveal of who the hustler is? Yeah. But then, <laughs> why? But that's the problem. Is that the problem then is the, with the concept of the game show? If there's no reason we should care about what the who the hustler is. Well, the, you're trying to figure out who they are just yeah. by looking at them in their clothes. But but that's the thing is like, the, but there's no stakes to it, right? There's no reason to know. You don't care. But for the audience to know? Yeah, like there's no reason. Well, the audience is playing along with it. But the audience has no say. Yeah, so no it doesn't matter. Say except for the hustler who says, okay, I want this person out. I see why you're frustrated with this because it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make sense. Why have it like that? There's no reason. So you go through these quizzes, <laughs> these questionnaires, yeah. for two rounds, and then you're left uh-huh. with three people: the hustler and two and two remaining contestants. They have to decide who between the three of them who is the hustler. Mm-hmm. And so, as such, you'll have at most at the end two people picking one person who they think is the hustler. And then it gets into Among Us style <laughs> where you're trying to convince other people not to choose to, you uh, or trying to convince the other person to choose the other person. Okay. And there's also the kind of head banging against the wall like, oh, come on, you had it right the first time. Right. Why did you switch your vote? <laughs> or Oh, come on. Like, that was so obvious. Like, yeah, they knew the answers. Come on. Like, have you not been paying attention? So it sounds like the gimmick, it, it just doesn't, doesn't work as intended. Gimmick There's doesn't work. interesting about the gimmick. Thus, your entire show is like, well, the thing this is based on, I don't care. Well, here's the other gimmick. It's as if that wasn't enough. Oh. They are sitting in a lounge slash study area that... As you do. It's kind of set up like a clue murder room. Oh, okay. Which you think, you know, okay, that's kind of a nice decor. But when a player gets booted, Craig Ferguson pushes them behind a secret bookcase. And it's like, oh no, you're gone. Bye. <laughs> and then the bookcase okay. closes. So it's like, wait, so do the other contestants see this happen? Yes. Oh, okay. Then. But never mind. So I was saying is like, oh, is that the thing? Is because if they don't see, no, they're all sitting like down around murder, the table. They you know all murder, where it's vote like, in front of each other. 
But yeah, they don't yeah. reveal who they're voting for. Yeah, but I was and then like, it's whisked away, and the reveal's on screen, and then it's like, oh, you're you're being eliminated. Come here, come with me. All right, yeah. push you through the bookcase. Bye. See again, there's like a possibility there. It's like, oh, that's interesting because if they don't see it, but if they do see it, there's nothing interesting about it. Yep. I don't know. That's weird. That's a weird, weird show. Well, two episodes are up, and I say this only goes to eight. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't see this continuing. Pulled. Anyway, were there and, other better, possibly, uh, game shows happening on television? Oh, you mean like the uh, Name That Tune or <laughs> Beat Shazam? I was going to say, wait, don't you mean uh, Beat Shazam? <laughs> or not? It's no. not. Yeah, there we go. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, um, the difference between Beach Shazam and Name That Tune is uh-huh. that you are going up against one other person okay. and a, using a live band rather than Shazam, which is an app and an AI program, and Jimmy Fox is there. Okay, real quick, we should be clear. We know what yeah. Name That Tune is. We know that it is existing, uh, existing show, and this is just a reboot of that format. I'm just making a joke about beat shazam because like the joke that we made here probably on this podcast but that was revealed where it was like wait so you mean name that tune and it was like a modernized version of of that and so it's weird to me that fox now suddenly thinks oh actually there's cachet in the name that tune branding let's bring that back instead of dragging back beat shazam meanwhile not canceling beat shazam and (laughs) not saying that it's in production or anything. Yeah, which means that it, we could live in a world where they say, oh no, next season Beach Shazam is coming back. And it's like, well, what happened in Name That Tune? <laughs> so, so how does this compare? Like, is it as entertaining? Do you think that this old ass format still works? Eh, I mean, they're given, I think, more broader or more defined categories, not broader, more defined categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a live band playing it and singing it. So it employs a lot more people than Beach Shazam. (laughs) Yes. You would think it would be more risky to do it that way in COVID times than it would be to do Beach Shazam. But, yeah. It's it's exactly what you think it is, though. It's name that tune. It's, it's, oh, how fast can you name this song? How many notes do you need to name this song? Right. It's, Fine. Just old I'm not going to tune in for it. Is the problem? It's like that just seems so old now. It it does feel like an old school style game show. Yeah. Oh well. Sorry. <laughs> what All else? Right. And last game show. I guess we can call it a game show. Well, okay. Stop. Okay. Yeah, it's a game show. Uh, <laughs> Hell's Kitchen returned. Right, and yes. this time, it's not set in California, but okay. rather Las Vegas. That makes sense because that's where the winning person originally worked, right? Was in the the Hell's Kitchen or the restaurant in the, that Gordon Ramsay owns over there. Uh, Gordon Ramsay owns like several restaurants in Vegas. You know, what I yes, mean. there is a Hell's Kitchen in <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. Las Vegas. However, the winner will not be working at Hell's Kitchen in Las Vegas. Okay. They'll be working at Hell's Kitchen in Lake Tahoe instead. Okay. All right. Uh, with two hundred fifty thousand dollars, 
or as they put it, a quarter of a million right. dollars. Like he loves to say that. Yes, he, he does. Loves to, he loves <laughs> to say that. Um, so how's this uh, this batch of batch of cooks? Any any good good ones in there? Any weirdos? A uh, couple good ones. A couple private chefs. One person who's only been cooking for two years. Great. Um, <laughs> who, and then one person whose uh, first dish was a completely vegan dish. Okay. All right. With cauliflower, which was raw. Oh, ouch. Okay. Uh, they deep fried it, but didn't deep fry it enough because the center was uncooked. That's a problem, turns oh, out. Yeah. Also, one guy uh, finished his, had 40 minutes to make a meal. Finished in 20. Yeah. And burnt the hell out of it. <laughs> You'd think that it would be undercooked with the less time, but, and yet he found a way. <laughs> <laughs> found a way to op- not, not just burn it, yeah, but, but it then was... not have, not have the wherewithal to serve a better piece of meat. Oh man. Wow. That's depressing. Oh yeah. So great group. Sounds like. Oh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> but then again, but it's Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen. It's Kitchen, Gordon yeah. Ramsay yelling yeah. at people who should know right. how to cook, rather than um, Master Chef, where he's right. trying to teach home chefs how to be better cooks. He's just going to yell "Beef Wellington" a lot. Just get ready. Ooh. I showed you my Beef Wellington. Yeah, you did. That was my That's audition tape. <laughs> yeah, you showed me your Beef Wellington. I saw your Beef Wellington. It looked really good. I was like, "Oh, I want some of that Beef Wellington." It was pretty good. Anyway. Anyways, um, oh, there was one final game on TV that we need to talk about. Oh, right. Because we did not talk about this in the sports section. But I'm glad I put it here because we probably probably would have uh, forgotten about it. Yes. The NFL on Nickelodeon. Yeah. I tried to get you to watch this. I was at Christie's. I was busy, uh, so I could not. But (laughs) I I was not enticer with Nickelodeon and football. No, not at all. Uh, but yes, your text, and then I saw uh, some social media reactions that were like, yeah, I get the idea of what this was. I didn't need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, this was a good alternative if you have kids. Yeah. Also a good alternative if the game is really boring, like this game was. <laughs> Seeing because as the halftime get, score yeah. was three to seven. Ouch, ouch, okay. Uh, it was Bears Saints with a halftime score of three to seven. Um, it was gimmicky, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if you have kids and you want to watch football but also have kids, it's a fun way to get them to watch football. Yeah, because I think some of the stuff they were doing was actually kind of cool. Like, from what I understand, is that they were explaining a lot of the rules and concepts of football during play-by-play so that way if you were watching with a child who's not super familiar things would make more sense yes and anytime there was a penalty flag on the field mm-hmm. you had young sheldon pop up to explain the ruling of the flag <laughs> okay sure because young sheldon is on nickelodeon now or at least the, anyone re- still- the re- replays well yeah and owned by Viacom, Viacom, cbs is one company now yeah yep. um so was anybody slimed Yes, um, Michael <laughs> Thomas was slimed, okay. virtual slimed, when he virtual scored slimed. a touchdown. Got it. And then before the game, Sean Payton, quarter, or quarterback, did that again. He Sean did Payton, again. head coach of the Saints, 
had said that if his team won, he would agree to be slimed. Yeah. Which they tried to get him to do it on screen camera. Yeah. But he ran off into the locker room and to celebrate with his team or whatever. But they got him afterwards and posted it on social media of him being got slimed. It. Okay. Man of his word. He kept his word. Um, and- so yeah, neat. Like you said, I think it's a good option um, just once in a while to be like, hey, watch this with your kids. Fun little Sunday. Also, activity. Good Morning Football host Nate Burleson was one of the hosts uh, for this, as well as the previous SpongeBob Sports Moment Countdowns. Right. Uh, which number one was Sweet Victory? Because of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, but I felt like this was also his kind of audition tape <laughs> uh, to be an NFL announcer. Okay. Because he was very into the game and mm. using the um, what he called the Nick Toon board to like draw <laughs> and circle the highlight stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like an uh, announcer would. Was it orange? It was green. Well, yeah, no, it was orange because it was on green grass. But yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if it was green, that would be really hard to see. So I'm hoping it was orange. Yeah, it was orange. Okay. It wasn't yellow like uh, John Madden was. Right, yeah. The, the classic one is yellow, so. Right. I think they use white yeah. now, actually. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think they did change that. I think they changed that maybe because the... Um, because Fox the, uses yellow. The but first CBS downline is yellow. And so, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But they did have some technical trouble lining up the first down line in the first <laughs> series because it kept shifting and moving. And then someone must have reset it because after like the first series, yeah. it was fine. <laughs> but yeah, NFL and Nickelodeon. I would watch a playoff game on this a season. Probably not every week. Not going to happen. I don't think it would be every week. But <laughs> if they do playoff game, I would tune in. Haha. We'll see. What else do you got? Well, you know, especially because like kids are like soon to be part of the life and whatever. Yeah, you'll get there. We'll get there. By then, maybe there'll be an entire kids football channel. Maybe. Who can say? Who can say? (laughs) All right. uh, Let's get to some scripted television, shall we? Why don't we? All right. Where do we want to start with here? At the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. All right. So let's start with Call Me Cat. Not to be confused with the other show, Call Your Mother, which is airing on uh, <laughs> ABC Tonight. Okay, so I'm calling you Cat, and I'm not calling my mother. Got it. Yes. Even though, thank you for saying that, because that reminded me I am supposed to call my mother this week. Anyway. Well, Call Your Mother uh, stars yeah. Kira Sedgwick uh-huh. in a comedic role where she moves in with her uh, kids. But we'll get there. First, we're talking about... Uh, Call Me Cat. Okay. Which stars the aforementioned future Jeopardy host, Mayim Balak. Bialik. Bialik, that's what I said. (laughs) Uh, Coming off of her first series, uh, post-Big Bang Theory. Right. um, Where she is named Cat, who runs a cat cafe. Oh, Yes. Okay. Um, following the death of her dad, her she decides to open a cat cafe because she she was like that's how she's going to honor her dad's legacy and like be her own woman and do what mm-hmm. she wants. 
So she opens a cat cafe and former crush of a that she had in college moves back into town. Of course. And uh, runs a is the new bartender at a new joint that just opened up. So it sets up a will they won't they scenario. And it's kind of has like the new girl vibe where she's very quirky and different and out there and independent woman. Mm-hmm. But it's also in a cat cafe. Is this um, multi-cam or single cam? Multi-cam, live studio audience. Okay. Which they highlight at the end of every episode as they do their goodbyes <laughs> and wave to the audience as the credits roll. Okay. But here's what makes it different from a typical sitcom. Mm-hmm. It breaks the fourth wall constantly. Interesting. And at an unhealthy rate. <laughs> okay. To the point where she will, uh, Mayim Bialik will look at the camera, uh-huh. break the fourth wall to say what's in her thoughts, and then turn back to the actor to continue the dialogue that's going on in the sitcom well okay so last time a show a multicam show did this that i can remember was that show on nbc that did a bunch of live episodes remember that one what was that one called the cape on nbc no no no, no. sitcom no but anytime i can bring up the cape on nbc <laughs> i will no, we're not bringing up the cape um, no one, no one likes it. Uh, no, that, there was that one. I keep thinking it wasn't undateable, but it was something like that. Uh, not A to Z. No, it was the other one. The, the one that was like lasted like one more season than anybody thought it would. And for the last season, they were really experimental and fourth wally with it. And they did some live episodes that the, like commented on the production. Um, I can't for remember it's not undateable but you know it's kind of like that like whatever the name of it was i don't know my best fourth wall break is from 30 rock when they did their live episode but that's the thing is that the single cam show so it's different no but they did a live show and my favorite line of that fourth wall break which by the way that live show is not on nbc's peacock um is when she says my my thoughts have seinfeld money <laughs> right. Yes. Because they used Julia Louis Dreyfus for her flashbacks. Right. Oh my God. I did get it right. That show was literally called Undateable. I just found it. I don't know how <laughs> my brain remembered the name of it. But yes, it had several uh, live episodes back in 2015 in its third season. And yeah, it was very fourth wally. And so, yeah, this reminds me of that. So, does it work? I guess is the question then. Like, do you think it's funny? Like, do you think it works in the same way as the, like, as you know, when a character in The Office in the, or in the single com- cam shows do the same kind no, of no, bit? No, it's not because it's fourth wall break to say what's in her head. Uh-huh. But it's not in a cute, it tries to be in a cute way, mm-hmm. but too much tries to do it. Okay. So you just think it's a, it's, a quantity, it. it's a quantity issue is what you're saying. Because right. I mean, the aside has been a stage tradition even since the state, since, since the Shakespeare days. Like that's yeah. been a classic thing, not as common in television because 
there's certain real reality that's expected there. Not only so that, but you can have the voice like of God that? as well. Yeah, so is it close to something like that, or does it seem like they're going for that single cam effect? No, they're definitely going with the first draw. It's not a single cam effect. Okay. Because, yeah, it just, it's such an interesting choice. And I feel like I can't really speak to it without seeing it myself. So, but it's an interesting idea. But if it, if you think they're doing it too much, then yeah. I, I think, uh, I won't say like how to improve it. Because you can probably do something like that if it's like a straight cutaway. Or even like cartoonish Lizzie McGuire style would be a different breath of fresh air to it. Yeah. But to just like blatantly do it in your face kind of doesn't quite work. Okay. As well as they think it does. This is really interesting to me though. And it actually might get me to watch a multicam sitcom for the first time in years. I actually want to see how they do it. So I might check this out. Two episodes are up right now. Okay. Um, and this is a CBS show, right? So it's on Fox. Oh, it's on Fox. I just assumed it was CBS because it was multicam, but I guess Fox did have Last Man Standing recently. So still they do. They have still have it. Studio. So yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I'll have to check that out on yep. Hulu. Uh, yeah, that's a Call Me Cat. Okay, Cat. Let's move on. <laughs> what else do we want to talk about? Uh, we have cartoon. One episode. Okay. Uh, we talked about this coming because it was from the same animation studio of Bob's Burgers, mm-hmm. uh, starring Nick Offerman, and that is The Great North, right? A so this comedy, is... cartoon comedy set in Alaska. So this is the third of the Bob's Burgers shows that are on in some sort of form right now. So it's Bob's Burgers, of course. There's this, and then there's the Central um, Park. Central Park, which is on Apple TV Plus. Then you have, yes. Yeah, so those are the three. So is this similar enough where it's 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 like that? Basically a third it's version similar of that? Enough. It's similar enough in where it's a family-orientated show mm-hmm. set in a, new, in a new setting of it being Alaska, which means there's a lot of white. So yeah. a lot of that coloring the lines. But it's... Eh, it's hard to tell because there's only been one episode mm-hmm. and that episode was two weeks ago <laughs> or was it last Sunday who could say I think it was last Sunday on the 4th but they haven't put a new episode up since not really a good sign um, but the comedy for a pilot it's fine Okay. not really like knock your socks off laughing not really like breaking new ground anywhere but it's but if you're a Bob's Burgers but if you're a Bob's Burgers fan it's exactly you're a Bob's Burgers fan you'll like it and as a family show I think it's one of the better family orientated shows as they deal with the loss of their mom which is why they moved to Alaska Hmm. okay and well not the technical loss of the mom, the mom ran away with someone else. So in order to get over it, yeah. the dad moved the family to Alaska. Got it. Yeah. And then the daughter is turning 16 and wants a job outside of the family business at the mall. So it has a typical, 
a not quite typical family in a not quite typical setting, mm-hmm. but still has the the typical family tropes of big family trying to stick together with everyone being quirky and different, but coming together for one another. Yeah. Okay, sounds all right. Uh Kind of similar premise to like Bless the Hearts. Yeah. Are they too similar, maybe? Possibly. Mm, But Bless the Hearts is more of like a King of the Hill factor. Right. Whereas this one, oh, what's the other one with the redhead kid? Oh, Duncanville. Yeah. I keep forgetting that that one's on still on television. That's on Fox as well. See, that's the problem with all of this is that they're too similar to each other. It's like, I'm, I get why Fox would want to, as we previously established, they own that production studio now, the Bob's Burgers studio. And so they want to pump out as many of these shows as they can. But yeah, if they're too close, if they're all families, a show is about families, then what's the point? I mean, lucky he's a family guy. <laughs> yeah, and they still have family guy, Eric. So it's <laughs> on top of that. It just seemed like too much. I don't know. Like, differentiate, sell more interesting concepts than a yet another family show. Well, I think that's why they said it in, it's set in Alaska, because it's such yeah. a different area. Yeah, but you can only do so much. On TV. But that only goods you so, so far, you know, a new setting. I don't know. I mean, the Simpsons were only able to go to it for an act in their movie. Yeah, but the, that's the thing, is that the Simpsons became so wildly not a family show at some point like they just conceptually went all over the place with it and you could say the same thing about family guy to an extent as well that it's not as like like maybe the first three or four seasons of the simpsons were that show and it hasn't been that show in 30 plus years at this point well yeah this past (laughs) week's episode was about comic book guy (laughs) and whether or not he should have kids so that's what I'm saying is like they need to differentiate themselves quickly or else it's going to look like there's three different of uh, the same show on Fox. So, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. What else do you got? Uh, well, uh, lastly on actual TV. Yes. Um, a show about a well-known city, L.A. Okay. And the mayor of L.A. Uh, this comes way of Robert Carlyle and Carlock. Tina Fey. Carlock, whatever. And Tina Fey. Mr. Mayor. Yes, Ted Danson yes, Ted is Danson Mr. Vehicle. Mayor. Yes. How's this one? <laughs> Same faults as every Tina Fey show. Oh boy, yeah. Sends okay. a message but doesn't commit. Worried about that wasn't, yeah, like I was worried about that one. Okay could be interesting Mm -hmm. um they pin ted danson against holly hunter Uh as mayor and newly appointed deputy mayor who so wants to be mayor sure but lost or couldn't get registered in time for the votes and thus lost to billionaire and recently retired unretired ted danson Uh as he tries as he took the job to quote, impress his daughter because he was seen as being uncool. Mm -hmm. 
And so the previous mayor resigned because 2020 was too much for him. The special <laughs> runoff election. And he won because billionaire wins. I feel like that was a Votes. last minute, last minute script change on that one. Possibly. Because <laughs> that's a weird part of that show. We've talked about it briefly on this podcast before because it's a weird history. It was actually originally concept conceptualized at NBC for a, a spinoff of 30 Rock. It was going to have the Alec Baldwin character, Jack, be the mayor of New York. And it was going to be all about his trials and tribulations about being the mayor of New York. But eventually, as it went through development stages, they cut the 30 Rock connection, recast with Ted Danson once they knew that the good place would be over, and it became what it is now. So it's been kind of in development hell for a while. Yeah, uh, it's got a pretty diverse cast, though. Okay. Uh, some of the underlings, newcomers to the play. Mm-hmm. But then you also have like Bobby Moynihan in there as a yeah. uh, aging script or press writer. Yeah, he's in the ads for it. A few yep. times. Um, it's quirky. I may keep following this. Probably yeah, I might check that one out too, just to see the vibe of the pilot. Uh, because yeah, like I feel like I've turned a bit. You're right on um, yeah. the, the Tina Fey Carlock formula because they kind of did it one too many times with uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, and it kind of wore out its welcome. It does definitely has its charm to where I'm not turning away from it quite yet, like I am yeah. with other shows. <laughs> like Call Me Cat, it sounds like. Yes. <laughs> so there's a certain quirk to it, and a certain like, oh, every end of every episode kind of like has the humble pie but also the Mm -hmm. look back comeuppance of the episode kind of like what 30 rock did yeah so there's certain elements in there that i like and i'm going to keep watching at least for the first season and see Mm -hmm. where it goes from there all right we'll see i kind of want to see more from like the side characters though okay i feel like they could like the understaff of Mr. Mayor could uh, kind of outshine eventually if given the right opportunity. Okay, yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Um, those shows, I mean, 30 Rock specifically even didn't really become its own thing until you get halfway through the season. So About yeah, let's give it five a little, or six. Yeah. yeah, breathing time, I think, will help. Yep. Um, did you actually talk about Call Your Mother or did we just skip it? Uh, we skipped it because that was... <laughs> premiering tonight and i put that on there so you ah, watch it. okay nope. sorry did not know it had not premiered yet but in that case we have just... yeah, but it stars kira sedgwick in a comedy role and so, don't know if i'm gonna watch it but it's out there so you have one more show that you want to talk about but this one's in the streaming realm mm, yes uh so i've been uh streaming uh and technically catching up on mm-hmm. um, another NBC show, <laughs> Superstore. Okay, that's not what I thought we were going to talk about here. But no, okay. but real briefly, uh, <laughs> because we're talking about Mr. Mayor and NBC. Sure, yeah. Uh, I caught up on all episodes because they're all available on Peacock. Right, so and that thing's done. That thing's in the this can. Thing, uh, it's, the final season is right now. Yeah. And leading up to into it, I can see where they wanted to go with it, but due to pandemic, 
They had to, had to make a quick change it. and kind of actually worked in their favor. Okay. Because it allows them to reestablish all of the previous conflict from the previous seasons mm -hmm. and do a lot of callbacks to the first seasons. And like, oh, you've progressed so much over these five, six years that we've known you. Mm -hmm. Here's where we can set you up for a future role. Right. Uh, I'll talk about more <laughs> about it when we when I wrap it up. I think I'm actually going to finish it, seeing as I okay. binged all of it. I don't think I would have been able to watch it on a consistent basis, but having it all available on Peacock, yeah, watch them all back to back. That's it's a it's yeah. a the safe show. Yeah, that's the thing about that show, right? Is that it doesn't. It's right in that middle ground where you can watch it while doing something else and not miss a whole lot. Right, it's that. Nice spot where I don't have to pay attention. To, not say to pay attention to everything that's going on, but I don't have to care as much for the characters, right? To get the emotional weight of what they're going with everyone. It, they all have their role, and they're all playing it safe in the ground. Occasionally, they like to bring up big topics, but it's kind of like the overarching arc thing, where the big thing is. To, or, to be or not to be a union, mm -hmm. which has been going on for a couple of the seasons. Okay. And it's always, will they, won't they, with the union thing, and also, will they, won't they, with the two main characters. Right, right. Even so. up until this final season of will <laughs> they, won't they be together. Uh... And, you know, they should, yes, it does get played out and dragged <laughs> on, and, and it is commented on in the show a lot. Of course. As something like that would happen, but it's, the safe show that makes you kind of feel good at the end of the day. Sure. Which is why it's been lasting so for six seasons. Yeah, but there's not a whole lot there, is the thing. So. Well, that's also kind of why it's wrapping up after six seasons. <laughs> right. But an actual show, new show that you oh, want to talk about. Drama show. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about HBO Max's original series. And I think this is going to be a series. The Flight Attendant, starring Haley Cuoco. Yeah, speaking of alumni from Big Bang Theory. Ooh, it's a drama. Okay. Or is it a comedy? Who can say? Probably. I legitimately don't know. I actually assumed this was a comedy until you just called it a drama. So it's a drama because it's a murder mystery. Okay. But it's a comedy because... All right, basic premise. <laughs> flight attendant hits on a guy okay. on flight to Bangkok. They have a crazy night where she can't remember what happened, but wakes up next to dead body of said person. Oh. There's your drama. Right. Here's the comedic part. I don't know if you can call it a comedic part, eh, but she's so traumatized by it that mm -hmm. she creates a figment of her imagination of that room with said guy and talks to him like in her head to yeah. piece together the mystery of who killed him why he why someone would kill him and frame her and what else is roped into this big conspiracy interesting it's eight episodes Mm -hmm. They're all 
45, 47 minutes. So it runs pretty fast. But it's also very dramatic and done well enough to where it's Game of Thrones style. Being that the last five minutes give you the big twist and makes you want to watch another episode. Okay. In which case, it's done very well that way. I think it's kind of written kind of fun, too, because you're kind of going on this adventure, too. Yeah. And then it really flirts with the, is this adventure too big? Like, it, like is this too outlandish for a TV series? Mm-hmm. Flirts with that a lot. Hmm. Okay. And you also have, like, the FBI on her trail trying to pin her as the murderer mm-hmm. while she's trying to clear her name of not being the murderer and trying to figure out who actually done it. Got it. It's a fun show. I think it really shows off Haley Cuoco's acting mm-hmm. to the point where I think this is her trying to Break possibly out. not only expand her role of just being, oh, the quirky blonde person, mm-hmm. But sort of like the dramatic take of I can act, right? Yeah, trying to break out of that mold that break she out was of that mold. stuck in for a while. Yeah. Well, because she did it with uh, Big Bang Theory, and then she did it with uh, Eight Simple Rules before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she was kind of just pl- typecast as blonde girl, basically. Yes. <laughs> blonde girl next door. Right, exactly. And they're trying to, I'm sure she might want to do other things. If given and she chance. definitely has the money to, do, that Big Bang Theory money to do it. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah, this is her, I think she's an executive producer on it too. Okay. Um, take or role on that. And it definitely goes some places. Um, a lot of the twists and turns you don't see coming, which is always good in a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. But because it does kind of wrap up in these eight episodes, hard to see it being wrapped up or trying to do that again, same formula. You got to do a new take on on it. Mm-hmm. Something different, something fresh, which you can do because flight attendants travel all around the world. Yeah. And she works as an, on an international flight it does lend itself to some potential exotic locations. They've got some options. Even though it's filmed here in LA and one <laughs> of the places they went was an aquarium and clearly it's the Long Beach Aquarium. Of course, yeah, that's the Aquarium of the Pacific. I hear it's fun and it's terrific. <laughs> At the Aquarium of the <laughs> Pacific. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it seems like an interesting concept. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the benefits of uh, the, the, of, of like the slight delay, I guess you could say in production that the, the pandemic has caused is that I feel like what pilots we are getting uh, right now is like, oh, actually, or the concepts that we've been getting since fall, I should say, are kind of creative. Like there's been some creative ideas that I think that the networks would not have taken risks on if there were more safe choices. Like between this and what you said about I am cat, and some call of the other cat. stuff, or call me cat. Sorry, close enough. Uh, <laughs> it seems like people, the, 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 that uh, some of these services are taking some risks right now. 
yeah, I mean, they're definitely character driven, mm-hmm. and I, which I think we'll definitely see with the next show you're going to talk about. Yeah, speaking of, but it's uh, definitely uh, they're letting actors and creators follow the Netflix style and yeah. let them be creative and they excel yeah. when they're creative when they want to work on projects that they are passionate for that they have a stake in yeah. you definitely see that play out i just hope that uh, that some of the people behind those uh, fox animated shows take a cue from this <laughs> anyway <laughs> um but yeah real quick i just want to talk about something that i'm not quite up to the new episodes for but that i am uh, catching up on as well in the streaming realm I'm catching up on Apple TV Plus's Dickinson, which as the name implies is about Emily Dickinson, a poet, um, and kind of about her pre, um, pre-published life and her family life in the 1860s, right before the um, Civil War. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a comedy, but it's also kind of a little bit dramatic in the same kind of way. Um, so it started in uh, late 2019, uh, with its first season, and the second season is airing right now on a weekly schedule on Fridays on Apple TV+. So I'm not quite to the current episodes quite yet. I'm going through season one rather quickly, though, because um, I'm having a good, good time with the show. I think it's very funny. I think, um, so the thing that it does, and the twist, I guess you could say that it does, is it's a modern approach to a period piece. And what I mean by that is the dialogue is not old timey and not in the like period that it's based. Instead, the characters are saying like modern slang, for example. And there's a scene, the best example of this I think is there's a scene where one character asks what's up and the other one says, I'm chilling. So it's like, you get the idea, it's like, modern uh, speech patterns in this 1860s setting. And it plays around with Emily Dickinson as being kind of this wild poet, where it's like each, uh, each episode is centered around one of her poems that she ends up writing by the end of the episode. And it kind of makes a through line for the theme of that episode. And then there's stuff like that with music cues, all the, most of the music is modern as well. Um, an eclectic uh, soundtrack where it bounces from hip hop to to indie rock to you know you name it. It's very interesting. It does some things with um, just the tone of it is very interesting. It's like a very modern kind of not too dissimilar from that Marie Antoinette movie that Sofia Coppola one, where it's like let's view this through a modern lens but tell this older setting story. Same kind of conceptually idea. Now, how is it compared to like Little Women? So Little Women is not, it, this is more modern of a take than that. Okay. I feel like Greta Gerwig's Little Women like got up to the edge, but didn't, didn't cross the line. Like the dialogue in that movie is still very much like the dialogue of the book. Nobody's wearing anything like, I mean, no one's wearing anything outside of the time period here either. But like, the music cues in that were not modern. Like this is that an extra step beyond that Little Women adaptation. And so, yeah, I think that a lot of people will dig it. I think that a lot of people will be like, oh, this is a really fresh take. Uh, the character uh, Emily Dickinson is interesting enough. And I think Haley Steinfeld uh, who plays her in this is 
an interesting choice and I think a good choice because you know she's young she's kind of this like this vibrant personality and that's what you want in a depiction of Emily Dickinson and I think that the casting is really really on also interesting casting with the mom is Jane Krakowski yeah which is an interesting choice um she doesn't and they don't use her like they typically like something like 30 Rock used her where she's over the top 24-7. It's a subdued Jane Krakowski, which is interesting for her. And it, I want to see whether they do something with her later down the line where she's able to like kind of do her like more over the top kind of acting. We'll see. Um, but I've been enjoying it so far. Weird that she's in it because she's the host of Name That Tune. Oh, there you go. <laughs> She's getting some work. Um, so yeah, um, I'm going to continue watching uh, season one. I'm going to get to the season two stuff. Uh, but I'm having a good time. It's not perfect. There's some stuff uh, with some of its stuff on race that maybe isn't super great. There's some stuff, um, there's some tone stuff with a couple of episodes about how they treat um, some of the characters. I don't know. It's taking some swings though, and I kind of respect it for it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it wraps up the first season and going into the second. Now, I'm not familiar with Emily Dickinson's poetry mm. work. Okay. Do you need to be? Or no, do you, you don't need you? to be. In fact, it's a good introduction to it because like I said, every episode focuses on one of her poems. Okay. So you kind of get an insight into the creative process. Of course, how realistically this depicts her actual creative process is kind of up in the air. I was actually thinking about this earlier today while I was working. I was thinking about this show kind of, and because it's a show and it's only 30 minute episodes and you kind of have to do this quickly, it does support the the myth that some people are just magically creative. Like the show is depicts Emily as just this, she's just this brilliant poet who just comes out up with these great poems out of thin air. She just has a talent for it. And obviously people who work in creative fields know that that's not how it works. Like it's not just this person is creative and this person is not. It's about, oh, is this person maybe has a spark of creativity and then works hard on it. This show doesn't show much of that process. It's more like, oh, she comes up with something literally out of nowhere and then writes it down and it's perfect. And it's the final published work. So yeah. Again, I get 30 minute concept. You have to very quickly- Seems like a lot of shortcuts it. are made. A lot of shortcuts, but you see that a lot with, with stories about famous creatives. So it's not super surprising that it's in here too. But that being said, yeah, I think it's a fun tone. I think it's an interesting approach. Another kind of one of those big swings, like big high concept ideas that are in fruition right now, I think. So I'm gonna stick with it. All right, and lastly, because I don't want to talk too much about it, uh, yeah. this is us returned. Same with the Good Doctor, okay, um, which sure shows that I constantly watch. Nine One One returns on Monday, which I will be watching as well. But those are very serialized shows, except for this is us, which I they're getting into some heavy-handed subjects. <laughs> of course, they are. It's this is us. Yeah. But I don't think that they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have three years of building up to it. Sure. Of, hey, we've handled big stuff before, but now we're going to handle some of the biggest stuff you don't handle on TV, like abortion and racism okay. and breaking up a family. 
So mm. lots of it's, heavy hands. It's getting real is what you're saying. Well, I mean, they all like you have to you have to raise it every every season. You have to do something <laughs> right. bigger than before. And yes, I get that. Also, yes, I get that it's TV, but damn. <laughs> it just keeps raising the bar of what's acceptable on TV, what can you talk about on TV? Yeah. And in a heavy family dramatic setting. Okay. Because there's some stuff you don't talk to your family about. They do. All right. Um, let's move on then. Okay, are we, are we done, done talking about TV? Thoughts? Wow, I cannot believe it. We finally did it, which means that we can move on properly to cancellations and renewals. All right. What am I no longer watching? First up, the haves and the have-nots on OWN is getting its eighth season and it will be its last yep finale netflix is bringing back from the dead master of none aziz ansari's show has been gone for three years yeah third season will take place in london yeah uh, which follows after the season two finale that i hated so i think i'll be skipping on this one also aziz I'm sorry. I'm still, he's still kind of in the doghouse for me. I so. mean, it's been three years. No, I'm just saying. I don't Which trust means him. It'll probably be another two year or year and a half until this comes yeah. out. So, so don't get your hopes up for anytime soon. But yes, this will be coming season three at some point. That's it for cancellations and renewals. We do have a handful of deaths going on right this week, unfortunately. First up in the sports world, we have Tommy Lasorda, age 93, baseball Hall of Fame manager for the Dodgers, a player in his own right uh, for the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Kansas City Athletics back in the day. Both of which those teams are no longer in existence. Those places, yes. Um, Also, uh, the face of a a Sega Genesis baseball game. Fun fact, Tommy Lasorda's Um, baseball. Yeah, um, Tommy Lasorda, famous during the All-Star game, being tilted over from a flung bat. Right. That is that Tommy Lasorda. That Tommy Lasorda. You never see that clip floating around. Um, Also, in a side note, I party at his field house. Super weird, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Moving on, somebody who didn't party in his field house, uh, Deezer D, age 55, rapper and actor, was in ER, uh, CB4, I'm not sure what CB4 is. Uh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. So he did an eclectic thing, a bunch of stuff. Not familiar with him though. Don't know that one. Next up, one I did hear about David Creek, age 42, real young, lead character designer on the aforementioned Bob's Burgers and Central Park. In fact, to hear some of the people talk about it on Twitter, he was the person who came up with character designs for those shows outside of the original designs for the family for Bob's Burgers. So he kind of was one of the principal figures in making the that look of the Bob's Burgers universe. Yeah, I so, saw a lot of people comment on Twitter about this. Yeah, it seemed one. really sad, like for the dude who basically created how an entire universe of characters look. And to lose that guy is, is yeah, is rough. 
I mean, we have three shows set in that animated that style, style universe. Right. So it's really unfortunate, especially uh, at such a young age. So, yeah, that's yeah, a real sad 42. one. Yeah. And then we have, not a young age, Sir Robert Cohan, age 95. He was a British dancer and choreographer, founder of The Place, London Contemporary Dance School, and London Contemporary Dance Theatre. So a big name when it comes to dance in the UK. Yep. Uh, and, knighted, obviously, with the yes, Sir, sir Robert. Yes, Sir. And with that, we move out of television, finally, and into music, where hopefully we'll get through the rest of this very quickly, because <laughs> there's not a whole lot of thoughts from here on out. Uh, and we talk about the Billboard charts. All right, and speed running here. We always start the music with the Billboard. I will always start the Billboard with the Hot 100. What? At number one, your hottest single, Mood <laughs> by 24 Golden, featuring Dior. Still well, you number always one number song. one. At number two, Positions by Ariana Grande. Uh-huh. At three, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Yep. Uh, which did we announce he was doing the halftime show? I don't remember if we ever We did. talked about that a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so expect him to get a bump next month. Yes. At number four, Holy, Justin Bieber featuring Chance the Rapper. Yep. And new to the top five, Go Crazy by Chris Brown and Young Thug. And yes, it's 2021 and where somebody is still listening to Chris Brown. What can you say? Mm, we can say no. Yeah. No, go away. Shoot. It's true. Uh, as for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, back at the number one slot, Evermore by Taylor Swift. At number two, The Voice by Lil Durk. Mm-hmm. At number three, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. At number four, Positions by Ariana Grande. And rounding out your top five, Whole Lot of Red by Playboy Carti, which you talked about last week. Yeah. We're still in January, which means no new releases just yet. Unless there's a surprise release no one is telling us about. <laughs> right, which could happen. So let's get into some music news, shall we? Shall we shall, we shall. And first up, we have some a new site we that you've uh, unquired here. The live music web hub Bands in Town yeah, is introducing a streaming concert subscription service Bands in Town Plus. That will yes, that's a big plus there. <laughs> plus. That will offer shows from independent artists like Phoebe Bridgers, Jeff Tweedy, Soccer Mommy, Joe Bonamassa, and Mount Joy, all for a flat $9.99 monthly fee. The all-access pass mm-hmm. for Bands in Town Plus promises more than 25 concerts a month. The upcoming show by Adrienne Lenker is touted as her first solo live stream outside of the big yeah, outside of the big thief band she also fronts. Right. The concert by Wilco's Tweedy, uh, Jeff Tweedy, mm-hmm. will be a full band show followed by a fan Q&A. 
Other artists set for live streams on the new service include Fleet Fox's solo set, Chromeo, Rodrigo y Gabriela, Flying Lotus, Little Dragon, Tycho, Local Natives, Scary Pool Party, Empress of, Omar Apollo, and Tori Moy. All these promised artists are on the lineup just for January and February. That's a lot of new artists. That's a lot uh, of bands to get into. Yeah, some uh, some legacy acts in there, some new acts in there. Uh, but yeah, I think this is, again, really smart to do during the pandemic where these artists need abilities to be, to play and be paid for it. And it's cool for listeners who are starved for more live content. I think we saw a big push for streamed concerts at the beginning of the pandemic. And then as time went on, we've seen less and less big names. And I think this a service like this is going to be pulling a lot of people to have one central hub for this kind of thing, because how it's been over the last few months has been, oh, this one's over here and this one's at noon chorus and this one's at on the Twitch thing that now nobody can do because of the DS DMCA stuff. And so, yeah, like, like now, like this is a central location, a central service that makes it easier and streamlined for everyone involved. So I say, if you, this sounds like a cool idea, go to their website, see if you're one of your favorite artists is streaming soon and maybe sign up. Now, how will they work with the DMCA? Is it because they're playing live? They don't have to? Well, I assume, so that's only for, um, I want to say that that's for content that is archived in some form. I don't know if this that their platform is going to be something that is immediately has a takedown on it. Right, because how are they going to work with music labels? Also, there is a price associated with this, which means that the artists are in agreement have a contract here with the company so if they're launching this now my assumption would be is that they've done the legwork about how to make sure that those are checkmarked by the um by the rights holders okay if they didn't then yeah you're right i don't know how they're going to do this but i would assume that if they're announcing this now post all of that mess they've had to think about it all right and last question here uh, uh -huh. from you in the back there yeah um Will the concerts be actual like concerts in bars and pubs and places <laughs> or are they in a studio setting? I mean, it's going to vary from artist to artist. Uh, what I would assume is that this is probably like they have been throughout this entire time where some artists are going to rent a studio space and just do it from there. And some artists are going to do it from home. I think it's really going to depend. And I think that it's up to the artist to, I think, tell their audience what that show is going to be like which is why you have the specific listing here for, um, for Jeff Tweedy's show, which is going to be like, yes, this is a full band show and this will have a Q&A afterwards. Because I feel like if you're not telling your audience what to expect, you're right, then it's crapshoot. Like I fell into that trap really early on when I watched a favorite artist that I'm not going to uh, call out here on this podcast that I was really excited because I wanted to hear her do some of the songs off her last record because it was really good and I loved it. She ended up doing it from her bedroom and and then proceeded to just do some like a handful of covers in like three in like a minute of a new song that she didn't even finish. And the rest of us are just talking and rambling. And I felt ripped off. It's like I paid for that. And she didn't do the thing that I thought she was going to do, which is actually play the music that I like. Say what you will about, you know, the you know, the choice about 
what artists do and they should have, of course, creative control about what they do. But I still think you should be upfront with your audience about what you're giving them. Like say you're going to do songs from this, say you're going to do a full thing, don't pay for something and then have the reveal, oh, it's just me on my acoustic guitar and I'm gonna do covers. I don't know. So yeah, you're right is I think that the impetus and the onus is on the artist to be clear and upfront about what they're delivering for their, their audience. Right, because early on we saw um, country artists do this kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, was it Tim, not Tim McGraw, the other one. <laughs> uh, did like live streaming on Facebook and then was broadcast on CBS. Yeah. And it was them in the studio like singing yeah but then it was a lot of talking in between each song yeah and you know what some people are looking for that kind of thing um so if that's what you want like i'm sure there'll be a little bit of that too so we'll see we'll see what this yeah, thing uh, is but it's an interesting concept it was garth brooks that's right garth brooks yeah that garth brooks sense. and trisha, trisha yearwood did the at home thing but yeah, that's a uh, Bands in Town Plus for ten dollars. Yeah. Moving on, we have uh, ooh copyright infringement. Trial. Yep, it's your favorite illegal it's settlement. Favorite. It's like Christmas morning all over again. <laughs> <laughs> because a copyright infringement trial over an unauthorized sample of Tracy Chapman's song in a Nicki Minaj track has been averted, as Nicki Minaj has agreed to pay Tracy Chapman $450,000 to close the case in documents filed Thursday in the U.S. District Court. The dispute arose as a result of Minaj interpolating Chapman's 1988 Baby Can I Hold You into her own song, Sorry, in 2018. After Chapman denied a request to approve the sample, as she reportedly does with all such requests, Minaj left the song off her album. But in a wrinkle that made the case more complicated, Sorry leaked anyways, (laughs) days after the album's August 2018 release, with the leaker of the record naming Minaj as his source. Yeah, I remember when this went down. I remember hearing about it. And I feel like it became kind of a non-story once that record ended up kind of flopping. Um, But I remember this being kind of a big deal. It's like, so it wasn't officially released per se, but people still heard it. And so people found out and Tracy Chapman found out. And I think because Minaj herself was the source of giving it to someone like here, I can't put this on my album. But maybe if it leaves. But but if it's found its way to the internet. People would hear it. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, yeah, and I think that's smart. probably where they got her or probably would have gotten her had this gone to court. Right. So that's why she knew. She saw the writing on the wall. She was like, you know what? I have some money. Let's just pay her. It was you have your hands all over this. Right. What's a number you're willing to accept? Yeah. And they probably started with a million dollars <laughs> and then it got dropped down. Whittled that down like a marble sculpture. Just <laughs> chopping it up. Around the edges. Yep. Um, but hey, yeah. four hundred fifty thousand dollars, okay. minus lawyers and fees and stuff. But hey, yeah. good payday. So congratulations, Tracy Chapman, remaining 
Sample free. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, did you listen to anything? Uh, no, just kind of uh, cleaning up some 2020 uh, stuff. Not really a whole lot of new stuff, not a whole lot of new music around quite yet. Uh, we'll have more releases as the weeks go on, I think. All right, uh, I'm in the same boat, which means let's go into video games. Let's. And one new release. Yes, this one. Because if you haven't played this before, mm-hmm. and if you haven't bought any upgrade version of it before, <laughs> and if you've only seen the movie, you may want to pick this up. It's Scott Pilgrim versus the World, colon, the game, dash, complete edition <laughs> for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Not new consoles. Well, yeah, but I'm sure you could play them on the new console. Oh, yeah, you could definitely play them on the new console. will be enhanced. Uh, but yeah, the of course, the notable thing here is that this is a game that was delisted by Ubisoft for years. It was very uh, like hard to come by because of that. It was, um, yeah, so people who had downloaded it previously could re-download it, of course, but those who wanted to buy it new could not after the second or third year after its re- release. So a lot of fans have been clamoring for this. The creator of Scott Pilgrim himself, Brian Lee O'Malley, was talking for years about he was trying to work with Ubisoft to bring it back and couldn't get them to budge for whatever reason. Things turned around late last year, and now we have a brand new complete version with all of the uh, downloadable content that came for the game, all the extra characters. The game of the year version, if you yeah. will. Yeah. So, hey, if you guys missed it out, missed out on it, it's a fun uh, side-scrolling brawler in the pixel art style. Um, it's got a uh, soundtrack by... Um, games music uh, artist Anamanaguchi, which is big in those circles. Um, and yeah, it's a fun time. I enjoyed it a lot when it came out. I played a little bit of the PS3 version way back when. And yeah, it's a fun co-op brawler. Um, so yeah, it still holds up, I bet. Yep. I think I know what I'm going to... I think I'm going to get this on the Switch. Yeah, probably going to be a money. good Switch game, for sure. Yeah, it'll be a good Switch game. Alright, let's get some video game news, shall we? And the Big news. Ooh, I like this story. Yeah, this one was a crazy one. This kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. It's kind of two stories in one also. Yeah, it is. Um, So this week, the official Star Wars website announced officially Mm -hmm. Lucasfilm Games. Not LucasArts. Crucially, Lucasfilm Games. Different, different, completely different thing. Yes. The (laughs) official identity for all gaming titles from Lucasfilm. This means that all future Star Wars games will be brought together under one banner, the Lucasfilm Games banner, which the official announcement states was, quote, developed in collaboration with the finest studios across the industry. It's unclear what that means for Star Wars, uh, colon, Jedi Fallen Order, publisher... EA. Yeah. But the announcement certainly implies that Star Wars games may not be sticking to an exclusive publisher in the future. So I'm going to pause you here because I gathered this news yesterday. Today, the other shoe dropped on uh, this Lucasfilm's game stuff as we found out that Ubisoft, not EA, crucially, is developing the next big Star Wars title uh, for Disney. 
um, they'll be doing a open world style game in the realm of kind of what they do with the Far Cry and Assassin's Creed series. So real quick before, again, before we continue the other half of this story is if you're EA, this has got to be harsh because the EA deal that previously existed made EA the exclusive developer and publisher of Star Wars games for a good time there. That right. gave us Battle the Battlefront yeah. games, that gave us Fallen Order, that gave Fallen us um, last year's um, The Flight Rogue one. Squadrons? It wasn't Rogue Squadron, it was called something else, but Star Wars Squadrons? Squadrons. Right. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, but there was also, with those games, there were some successes, but there was also loads of drama i don't know if you remember the battlefront 2 drama with the loot boxes i mean it's kind of what started like in the heat of all those loot boxes especially with the first battlefront right and then it just expounded on battlefront 2 so which people hated so you had to pay so much for your favorite characters and wasn't unlocked in the game i think that was the first kind of big story of loot boxes where you pay for the full game but you don't get the full game because the characters are in there, but you can't have them unless you pay more money. There's no way for you to reach a full rank without paying something to unlock everybody. Yeah, so there's been a conversation about whether or not Disney was going to keep the Star Wars license with EA with all of the baggage that came with it. And now that we're to kind of two, three or four games after that and still the feeling is kind of lukewarm even though fallen order and squadrons i think got a little bit more of a positive reception but the biggest thing that i can think of currently for lucas film games mm-hmm. is that because they're no longer tied to ea it means anyone and because of the ubisoft anyone can now publish star wars in their game given yeah. licensing which means that finally, after years of waiting, it can finally happen. Since Disney owns Star Wars <laughs> and Disney Worlds are in Kingdom Hearts, uh-huh. we can finally have the crossover. I have a feeling it doesn't happen, though, still. I feel like this doesn't. No. I have a feeling it does. Also, if they want to, if Nintendo wants to pony up the money, <laughs> could you see Luke Skywalker in Smash Brothers? No, no, no. Now you're going way too far. Like, one, not going to happen in Kingdom Hearts. Two, definitely not going to happen in Super Smash Brothers. All right, let me take it one step back or further, depending yeah. on how you look at it. Fortnite. Yeah, because no, that I'm going to say absolutely there will be Star Wars characters in Fortnite. The Mandalorian's already in it. Mm-hmm. But will we have more characters, like iconic characters? Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, you already broke it with the Mandalorian, so. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> and, anyway, uh, but what's the actual story here? We're, we're burying the lead here. All right, anyways, the next day. Yes. A brand new Indiana Jones game was officially yes. announced. Executive produced by Todd Howard from Bethesda Studio Machine Games. Right. And in collaboration with the newly formed Lucasfilm Games, the game has a very brief teaser trailer. Yeah. Which it's very stylized, invoking the vibe of a matted painting more than a video game. The camera pans across a desk full of notes and blueprints. 
with little Easter eggs about the game's development hidden on other items. The Passport has a Bethesda stamp. The typewriter reads Machine Games. The camera has Lucasfilm Games branding on it. The infamous first notes of John Williams' Indiana Jones theme ring out, (laughs) and the Indiana Jones hat is removed to reveal a whip. And the sound of it cracking emanates before the screen goes black. Okay, so Machine Games, they are the Wolfenstein people. Um, So uh, a lot of people have already made the joke, but hey, they they love games where you kill Nazis. And here's another one. (laughs) Uh, So how do you feel about the Wolfenstein people taking on a Indiana Jones game? What do you think this thing is? Uh, Indiana Jones is not known to, for a combat style. Not particularly, no. I mean, there's some of it, like he, you know, he's known to use guns, he's known to have his whip, but yes. beyond that, he's mostly an exploration kind of It dude. would have to be an exploration, puzzle-solving mm-hmm. platformer. So then do you think this is Uncharted? Do you uh, think this is Machine like Games' talking about take on Uncharted? Yes. Or do you think it or do you think they do a first-person version of that thing and try some new kind of approach to it because they're such a first-person game developer? You do it in VR. Oh, Indiana VR. Jones VR. You sure you do VR exclusive in 2021? Because I'm not so sure you do. I'm not so sure exclusive, <laughs> but you do it as a test because if you can throw on VR goggles and whip <laughs> people yeah. or whatever... Whips are hard. I don't know if you know this, but whips are really hard. You have to do them very specifically to get that crack. Yeah, but that's a good thing about VR. You just have to make this motion. <laughs> yeah, it does it for you. And it does it for you. <laughs> or, or even just this, a flicking motion, and it does yeah. it for you. Yeah, I don't know. This is a weird one because I feel like the problem with an Indiana Jones game is because, one, the Indiana Jones games, Jones games we did get in the past weren't always stellar. There's a lot of bad Indiana Jones games. And two, we've already had Indiana Jones games, whether it be, but not with that character. We've had the Uncharted games. Even Tomb Raider at its beginning was a Indiana Jones style adventure. Um, you have like you have so many games already living in that universe, in that kind of feel, that they have to do something really new here for it to matter. Uh, what do they do new? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do. You... <laughs> See? No. Yeah, this is why we're not developers. No, no, no. You're not Indiana Jones. Okay. You're, You're Indiana Jones's assistant. Because oh. he can't leave the school because he's a teacher, uh-huh. you have to go out into the unexplored archaeological digs as your own character, your own build-a-character. Oh, okay. All right. So you can be a boy, girl, whatever. Oh, no. Is this a live game? Are we going to have to, like, have to party up, and are we going to have to, like, like, get loot and No, it's not Fallout 76. Is this Avengers? No, it's not Avengers. (laughs) Good. It's, like, Fallout 3? Okay. Yeah, it's no, it's not like multiplayer hub. You're not one of his students. You are his assistant who has to go out to these 
sudden archaeological finds mm -hmm. and then report back to him while communicating via telegraph, telephone, radio, what have you. Yeah. The other question I have for you, uh, you in the back, you have a question. Um, this is a Bethesda joint. Bethesda is now a Microsoft studio. Do you think because of that, is this an Xbox PC exclusive? Or do you think this is when Disney's pressure will be put on Bethesda to put this out multi-platform even though this sale will be finalized? I think you see the one-year exclusivity. Okay. Tried. I'm not, this is a tough one because Disney wants all the money from everywhere. You would think. You would at least think that, yeah. Yes. Um, because it's Bethesda is yeah. purchased, Zenimax and uh, Microsoft. I think that they will definitely push for it to be an Xbox exclusive. It is a big enough name yeah. and to get and a big enough studio to get people on board with it being an exclusive. That being said, the Spider-Man game is a PlayStation exclusive and that's also a similar Disney property. So the question Except would be it's is, not. It's a Sony property. Remember so that. So the movie is Sony property. Yeah, you're property, wrong but, because it's unrelated to the movies. So right, it is movie just is the Sony character in World of Spider-Man, which is the Disney stuff. So no, that yes. deal is separate, even though it's a deal with Sony, is a deal with Sony Interactive, is has nothing to do with the film arm, thus making it similar to this. They would be making a deal with Microsoft, essentially, with Bethesda. So... Who knows? This might be exclusive. This might not be. I don't. I genuinely don't know. I don't know. Just give me Star Wars and Kingdom Hearts next. <laughs> I'm just saying that because it. Nomura, creative director Nomura, has come out and said that <laughs> his one goal is to put Star Wars in that universe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, and also, if they go for a live action route in the upcoming series, yeah, Kingdom Hearts Four, no. as they're doing, we'll see. We'll see what happens. One thing before we move off of Indiana Jones that I want to bring up is that I feel like now is definitely a weird time to do anything based on that franchise because I feel like a story that has its ties so deeply in like kind of colonialism and like going to like ancient civilizations and stealing shit maybe doesn't play as well in 2021 as it um, did before. Again, yes, the whole it belongs in a museum kind of thing. Like, there's baggage to that culturally that there wasn't, you know, 20, 30 years ago. No, no, you're right, because you're taking heritage in order to preserve it, but your yeah. preservation is still stealing it from their culture. Right. So, so I, just wanted, I just wanted to bring that up real quickly before we moved off of it, because that is something that they will have to tackle here, uh, that at least has to be in the back of their minds. Right, but... Uh, there's also some sci-fi magic elements. <laughs> yes. Have you with Indiana Jones? That's true. Also, read that it's there or not. <laughs> now that Shia LaBeouf is like in the canceled zone, do we see him here? <laughs> well, no. That's what I'm saying. You are this. <laughs> you are his first protege. Right. You move away from Harrison Ford. Move away from Shia LaBeouf. Just to use. Indiana Jones is more of a concept rather than an actual character. Indiana Jones is your mentor, but yeah. you are actually going out on the adventure. You're right. I think that would be the smartest way of doing it. Whether they do that, we'll see. Oh, I know it's a smart way because I have Bethesda's check right here in the mail. Oh, okay. Okay, neat. Yeah, I didn't know you were creative director on this. 
uh, tell uh, Todd Howard that I'm sad that he lost his job and that you replaced him. But eh. no, no, I am working under the pseudonym Todd Howard. It is oh, okay, name. got it. Yeah, it is my creative name. All right, let's move on to um, a feel-good story. Yes, let's feel good about the ghosts of Tsushima and how it didn't win Game of the Year. <laughs> no, that's not the, that's not the story. No, that's not the story. But it is about ghosts of Tsushima, as players have helped to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to help restore a real-life shrine on Tsushima Island in Japan. The, on September 7th, 2020, a typhoon hit the island, destroying the Tori Gate situated at the shrine. In November, one of the shrine's priests, Yuichi Hirayama, launched a crowdfunding page with the aim of raising 5 million yen, or about $47,000. <laughs> the crowdfunding effort to rebuild a Tori Gate at Watatsumi Shrine in the center of the island smashed its original goal with the help from the game's community. As Hirayama later wrote, however, the fund, quote, received a great deal of support from the players of the Ghost of Tsushima game. Overall, more than 2,000 people donated more than 27 million yen or around a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. More than 500% of the original goal. Hey, so what do you know? Um, put together and for a good cause, um, people who play video games can uh, do a lot. We saw this recently with AGG, uh, AGTQ. We're seeing it again here. Yep. Uh, speaking of, AGTQ wrapped yes. up last week and raised $2.7 million dollars for the fight against cancer. Not bad. So all around, gamers love helping out games that they love and helping out causes they're passionate for. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was a good good feel-good note to uh, wrap up the episode. Did you play any video games this week? I've been playing more Ring Fit Adventure. Okay, cool. Uh, I've also been playing some more Overcooked 2. And mm -hmm. I beat... Marvel's The Avengers. Oh, you finished the story mode. I finished the original story mode. Got it. As they have come out with two expanded stories since. Uh, okay. The Taking Aim and the Avengers Initiative post-content. Got it. I haven't gotten to that, but I can comment on the story mode. If you'll so have me. <laughs> I know we have been uh, talking a lot. We're kind of low on time here. Yeah, we can just, just yeah, we can just wrap it up real quick. Real briefly. Yeah. I like the gameplay style, and I like the artwork, and I like the sound design. A lot of the I see a lot of the good technical stuff in this game that makes it worthwhile to Marvel players to a video game community. That being said. I got a lot of problems with you people. Because <laughs> the story structure is very loose and very broken. And I feel like there's chunks of story that were originally written. Yeah. But got fallen off to the wayside uh, as some story structure does. As if they couldn't get rights to certain characters. Because some characters only appear once 
when it feels like they could appear multiple times because they're mm -hmm. there or some characters don't get their own individual big bad when it feels like they should all have <laughs> equal time. And some characters just arrive and you're automatically giving them without the character feeling like you've earned their trust or brought them back. It's just, oh, they showed up, so now they're a part of the story because we need them in the part of the story. We may have skipped several steps, but they were supposed to come here in the first place and we had to squish this whole part. So now it feels like it definitely jumps from B to E without going through C and D. Yeah. It's got a lot of problems with it. Story yeah, and that's not even touching the live game problems that the game no, has. No, that's not even touching online, which yeah. I'm not going into. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, it seemed like it was a project. It should not was... be a loot game. Yeah, no, it's a project that was confused and rushed to market and just, yeah, it was it, too much, bit off way too much. Yeah, this game should not be a loot game because they have the loot stores for you to upgrade the stuff on your character. Yeah. But the problem with loot games is that you will always find better stuff playing the game than you will buying it. Right. Because that's the problem with a lot of them, a lot of loot games especially Borderlands, where you have stuff <laughs> that you can go and buy. And yeah. like, oh, rare stuff. But if you level up just two levels, you know, that yeah. stuff will become obsolete instantly. Yep. It's the problem with loot games. We haven't really found a game that really solves that problem. Um, but yeah, as more games come out, hopefully we'll refine that system. Yeah, hopefully they refine it in the next gen, because I like the idea of it, of you just kind right. of getting new loot. Yeah. But if you're not breaking it down, your slots run up. And if you're not combining stuff, you're wasting time picking everything up. Right. Uh, other than that, the level designs are very routine. There's only like four or five different level designs yeah. with variation of enemies. I remember hearing that. And I wish there was more. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there could be more. It's just not, it doesn't feel like a full fleshed out game. It seems a lot is missing. They had an endpoint from story-wise, A to B, and it definitely gets there and you definitely kind of feel it, but you also can see gaps in logic and story and, oh, we're, you just introduced this character. Now we're going to switch over to this other character now because you missed some steps. It's overall feels very disconjointed, but I still have a fun time playing as the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Just not as much fun as I kind of would have expected, especially if you're coming off of playing at the Spider-Man solo game, which had so much to do. Yeah, yeah. Different, different thing, yeah. And just disappointing, seems yeah. like. Um, the only thing I've played is I've been cruising more through um, uh, Assassin's Creed uh, Origins, like I mentioned last week. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to see how, how much more of that I can take. I mean, I'm still just cruising through all sorts of content, but that's it for me. Okay, and I guess with that, that should wrap us up. That should do it. All so, right, plug uh, away. Thank you all for joining us for this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Ran a little long this week. 
as expected, thanks to television. Oh, well, yeah, we'll we talked, what, seven stories in television? Yeah, there's a lot of us. Um, so next week, we will be back with probably some more TV, some, uh, some thoughts about uh, WandaVision, notably on Disney+. Plus. We'll have um, new news for you, all sorts of fun stuff. So tune in next week for all of that and more. If you want to see the video version of our podcast, those are posted on our YouTube page. Go to YouTube and search Media Boat Podcast, find our page, like, subscribe, you know, the usual business. If you want us to hear us our audio versions, including the end of last year's 2020 year-end wrap-up episodes that we did, you can do so on the audio version of our podcast, where you can find it on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, just search Media Boat Podcast, and you'll find our feed. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, our handle is at MediaBoatCast. Facebook, we have a Facebook page, Media Boat Podcast. Just search that and you'll find it. Email us with questions, comments, et cetera, on MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you want to see some of our old archived writing, you can see that on MediaBoatPodcast.com. Thank you for joining us. We will be back next week with another episode. So thank you and see you next time. 12. The answer was 12 thoughts on TV. 12. And that's not including uh, (laughs) Tiger, the documentary about Tiger Woods on HBO. Yeah, which we said you were going to talk about, but you did not. Yes, because it was part one on Sunday. We have part two this upcoming Sunday, so I'll be talking about that in full next next week. week. Also, we talked so much on TV, I couldn't fit it in. Yes, that's also true. So tune in next time for all that business and more. See you guys. Bye. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.